Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. <laughs> Gone with that mic in your hand. It's time for school. Rock school. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Murray, his dad, breaks the songs up over a couple albums instead of making one album that would have been a juggernaut. Right. Then the simple abuse destroys Brian Wilson for a time and he starts writing songs about cucumbers. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show here on the Rock School Radio Network. I'm Joe Burns. You are? Tammy Burns. Welcome to December, Tammy Burns. Now the whole world cares only and only about Christmas. Aw. And moving along. I ran into this weird thread, if you will, online. Uh, I was just sort of looking for topics and I found this idea of if a band has a spectacularly successful LP, long play record, you young kids out there, then the is the follow-up LP a good LP? Does it reach the level once again can you do it a second time and i think that's one of the problems with just about everything where you succeed in life yeah you have a a great success can you do it a second time or if you do it a second time and even though you sell enough that in the just the overall span of things it would be amazing yeah you are still seen as a failure for the follow-up. So I found all these websites what? that was kind of like, you know, haha, your follow-up record didn't do as good. And I sort of compiled these together, and I'm, I'm wondering, as I create this thing, are people going to look at it and go, you know, it's not a failure. The problem is it is a Failure's not the right word. It doesn't measure up to this massive album that came before it. Right, to the so, su- success you had the first time. Right, so the question is, these follow-up albums, do they rise to the level? And even then, if you have an album that captures lightning in a bottle, how are you able to do it a second time? Now, there's some bands that have done it. But how are you able to capture it a second time? For example, this is what we're talking about. Ario Speedwagon, the High Infidelity album, absolutely their peak. Had six songs charting on the Billboard charts. Keep on Loving You was the band's first number one. Take It on the Run. It goes diamond in the U.S. You know what diamond means? How many? How much? Ten million in sales. Mm. Ten million in sales. So, you know, they tour on it for three years and everyone gets tired of REO Speedwagon. So they put out a second album called Good Trouble. I owned it. 
I owned it. It, it showed a, a lady who was like a, a cleanup person in a hotel room yeah. looking in. It was kind of pink uh, and yeah, orange I, and I, such. I remember yeah. that cover. Yes. Okay. Yes. You'd think that because they're Ario Speedwagon, it would be what's usually known in television as hammocked. If you have a success and a success, the thing in the middle is hammocked. It is, it is brought up. It has to succeed. Well, here's the thing. Ario Speedwagon sold 10 million in sales. The follow-up album, Good Trouble, sold 2 million in sales. Anybody else would lose their mind that it's a double platinum album. Whoa. However, if you remember, High Infidelity had six songs that charted. This had one song that charted. Keep the fire burning, but it sold two million albums. Goodness. It was on the websites that I looked at for this uh-huh. seen as a failure as a follow-up album. Whoa. So I've got a bunch of these stories, and we're going to talk about the follow-up albums to these monstrous albums that come out. I'll be honest with you, I don't know how you recreate that album again. So we're going to talk about the follow-up albums to some of the albums you have known and that are just classic all the way across the board. Here you go. It's Ario Speedwagon from Good Trouble. You keep the fire burning here on Rock School. Okay, coming out of REO Speedwagon, Keep the Fire Burning, we're talking about follow-up albums, specifically follow-up albums to major LPs. This idea that you have created this unbelievable piece of music, how are you able to follow it up? Could it even be done? This is why we have so many one-hit wonders in the world. You hit that one, and then you run away and you go, I got to write the next big hit. Right. Is it even possible you can write the next big hit? Or did you capture lightning in a bottle, and you can't recapture lightning in a bottle? Semisonic had an album called Feeling Strangely Fine. Do you remember the song Closing Time? Yeah. You remember that? Yes, yes. Okay toured on it for three years, came back into the studio and created an album called All About Chemistry. No hits, didn't crack the top 100, no certifications. You know, look, I don't know how to say it any different. Success, you had a hit. And you wonder, there's that question, is it better to never succeed or is it better to succeed once? and then have to deal with everything afterwards that doesn't succeed. You know, is it better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all? Oh, man. Me, personally? Yeah. I want the hit. I want to tour. I want to go out. I want to see crowds. I want to do the whole thing. I want to know what it's like because I really believe, 
again, me personally, Mm -hmm. I really believe I could put out an album or two. They would fail. I would take my residuals and I would wander quietly to somewhere in Hawaii and live with a drink in my hand. You think you could do that? I think so. Are you strong enough in the head? Well, I'd rather have experienced the joy of of the hit. That's the way I feel. I feel that way too. Super Tramp. Supertramp put out Breakfast in America in 1979, went four times platinum in 12 countries, had four hits in the USA on the Billboard Hit Singles Chart, The Logical Song, Goodbye Stranger, Take the Long Way Home, and Breakfast in America. How is it possible that what they follow up with is not going to rise to that level? Well, Famous Last Words came out after it in 1982, and it had one hit. It's raining again. Right. Well, no, I'm losing a friend. Goes one-time platinum, hits number one in three countries. In total, a fourth of the sales of Breakfast in America. And that, in the music industry, Uh even though it goes platinum and has a top ten hit, is seen as a failure. And you got to wonder, how does that weigh on the mind of the band who put out this monster and then had to follow it up? Me personally, I would like the monster and try to take a swing at it and then fail. Mm -hmm. Because I think I I could get past the fact that the second one failed. Well, I you, just happened to be the right place at the right time. Well, you could always say, you could always be swinging, you know? That's right. Because you I, know what you're swinging for. That's right. And when they put together those things later on in life, you wouldn't have known this at the beginning. But those tours that have six bands yeah. in it, and Welcome. everybody only has one hit. That's it. That's right. I'm number four on the bill. Woo-hoo! Super Tramp here on Rock School. Okay, let me give you a couple here, because you were asking me about Supertramp. They had to have 12 more hits, because when you think of Supertramp, you think of this huge, long run of hits. They didn't. They didn't. The the hits came previous, and then that one album. I get the feeling, it's that old statement, if Paul McCartney had come out in 1985, would he have had hits? Yes, But would it have been the Beatles? No, because the overriding variables around it Uh had changed. Right. And there's an old statement, why Mozart? Well, he had the intelligence to have been born when he was born. What if he was born 100 years later? Would it have been as successful if John Lennon was born in 1972? Would he have been so successful? Probably not. Would he have had some hits? Yeah, probably. But would he have been so successful? For example, Squeeze. 
Do you remember the album that went tempted by the fruit of another? Yes, I do. But that was a monster hit, wasn't uh-huh. it? It was. It was on East Side Story. Top 40 hit, multiple countries, platinum in two different countries. So they come back in 1982 and they put out Sweets from a Stranger. Well, you see, the main guy named Paul Carrick left... And Paul Carrick was the songwriter. It, it never made any certifications, and they had no hits. Did he have a hit it. by himself? Paul Carrick? Oh, sure. He went on to do other things. But Squeeze? Nothing. Nothing, huh? But let me give you this one. This is the one when I was putting this together, because I felt kind of dirty, if you will, putting this together, because it's nasty to say... Here's this monster band with this monster album. What was their follow-up? And what I got from the websites was, ha, 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 it didn't work. Hmm. And that's that. I hate that. that's terrible. I do. I hate that. But I do think it's an interesting thing to sort of get across that if you have phenomenal success, there's a real good chance you're not going to do it again. Do you remember when Hootie and the Blowfish literally ruled the earth? I couldn't shut... Every single radio station was playing Hootie. Cracked Rear Window was the name of that album, 1995. They had Hold My Hand, I get it. They had Let Her Cry, I get it. But I Only Wanna Be With You, that's the one. I think I sang that incorrectly. I think I sang it like some girl in the 60s. You did. It went 21 times platinum in the U.S. alone. Ooh. That's And that's their first one out of the gate. That's that kind of thing that if it happened in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. So three monster hits. A year later, they come into the studio. Okay, Darius Rucker is the main songwriter. Right. So he writes up another 10 songs, and they come out with an album called Fairweather Johnson. Have you ever heard of it? Never. Never. They had one kind of a hit, broke the top 40, and that's it, called Tucker's Town. Have you ever heard of it? No. It went platinum one times over. How do you have a 21 times platinum album, a double diamond album, and your next album goes one times platinum? The only reason it went platinum is because of the other one. Right. Had Tucker's Town, or what was the name of the album? Fairweather Johnson. Had that been their first one? Mm -hmm. It would have gone, and absolutely nothing would have happened. It was hammocked into the, you know, that amount of money. And it ends up breaking up the band. And you know Darius Johnson goes on and becomes a country singer. It's Darius uh, Rutger, isn't it? Did I say Johnson? Yeah. I said Fairweather Johnson, but it's Darius Rutger. I think that's half the problem. (laughs) They confused their audience. So for the sake of argument, I'm going to play Tucker's Town for you. Okay. This was the follow-up hit. This is the one that was supposed to keep the, the, the money train going. But it didn't. Here you go. Tucker's Town here on Rock School. Did you see my lips? Oh, you're smiling right in front of me. Your father called my name, then it's I have a great relief. Nothing more than me that you were clinging to. Came in a turn around and you got high, 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 high,
right, coming into the first break, uh, Fleetwood Mac. In 1977, Fleetwood Mac releases an album called Rumors. Yes. Go your own way. Dreams. Don't stop. You make love and fun. Are you kidding me? Oh. This thing went 20 times platinum in the U.S. and multiple other countries. So at least just in the U.S. alone, 20 million album sales. I don't know what it would be with all of the other countries, but I'm going to guess it went up to at least 25 million in sales. Right. It's one of those where do I want that? Do I want that success? How in the world do I follow it? Do you have any idea what the follow-up to 1977's Rumors was? No, I don't. You know the album. As a matter of fact, you like this album. I think you like it more than Rumors. Uh, Tusk. No, I don't like it more than Rumors. Are you serious? No. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, they decided to come out of the gate with something really rough and tumble. They went in 1979. Tusk was a double album. And at the time, it was the most expensive album ever made to date. Because if you remember, even the song Tusk, the single, it wasn't just the band. They went and got, I think, the USC marching band and recorded them there in a stadium and such. Goes two times platinum in the U.S., Here's the funny thing. Two times platinum is two million in sales. And because of rumors, two million in sales was seen as a failure. Whoa. Isn't that absurd? It is. It had two hits, Tusk, which I think everybody remembers only because of the video Uh and the fact that Stevie Nicks was sort of bouncing around, twirling a baton. And then another one called Sarah. They went both top ten. And it's only because, I mean, if you have an album that goes two times platinum and it has two top ten hits, isn't that a success running away? It is to me, at least. Yeah. I would, I don't know, whose soul do I have to bring you to have that kind of success? But according to the record company, it was seen as a failure because of the fact that their previous one. And you would think, who are the bands that are able to do this? Well, Led Zeppelin, of course. Nope. I've got one where Led Zeppelin is seen as having created an album that was a failure. Take a guess, kids. What do you think it is? Who's listening to us here on the Rock School Radio Show? WMCE Erie, PA. Fantastic. Back in a minute on Rock School. Coming out of the break, Tammy, do you remember Queen's album Play the Game? You might not remember the album, but I'll bet you remember the singles. Do you remember Play the Game at all? Yes. Do you really? I remember the single Play the Game. I loved it. Yeah, Play the Game, Play the Game, Play the Game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was the big single off it? It was another one, Bites the Dust. Huge. Yeah, and then Crazy Little Thing Called Love. The thing goes four times platinum in the U.S., gold in 20 countries. 
how do you, I mean, how can you walk away? And this is Queen after they have already had a day at the races. Woo. You know, news of the world, massive stuff. It's one of those, they can't do it again. Kabloom, they did. So then they threw in the middle the Flash Gordon soundtrack, and I don't know that you can hold Flash Gordon soundtrack as the follow-up album, Uh because they needed to do things for the thing. And you even had a hit off of that. Flash, ah, savior of the universe. I do remember that. The following album was 1982, Hot Space. Hot Space. Hot Space. Yeah, there you go. Hot Space. Hot Space. I I don't remember that one. One hit. Any idea? Mm-mm. And it wasn't even totally by Queen. Under Pressure with David Under Bowie. Pressure. It was a huge hit in the UK. However, it only goes to the top 30 here. Platinum in the US and in the UK struggled in all the other countries and a bunch of people considered it a failure. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Platinum and it's considered a failure. It ain't good enough. I I agree with you. Okay, let's do this. Mm-hmm. I'll make you a bet you know the album Bad Out of Hell for Meatloaf. Yeah. Right? Right. 14 times platinum. 50 million copies. It is everything Meatloaf is. Yes. It is, it's just out of the gate the most amazing album. I'll give you $1,000 in $1 bills. If you can tell me the follow-up, you in the audience, what's the, I'm not giving you the money, but what's the follow-up album to Bat Out of Hell? Anybody? Bat Back in Hell, Bat in Heaven. Bat goes back, I don't know. What is it? How about Dead Ringer? Dead Ringer. No. Dead Ringer had a top 30 hit. Any Tigers? shot at it? Anybody? Nope. It didn't even go gold. How is it humanly possible you have a 14 times platinum album and the follow-up does not go gold? I can tell you. What's that? He gave everything he in had the first one, in the yeah. first one. His and the soul is, is that album. And I can imagine people making the statement that, well, Jim, you know, Jim uh, Steinman wrote that first album. Well, Jim Steinman wrote Dead Ringer. The hit was Read Him and Weep. Have you, could you sing me any two bars of Meatloaf's Read Him and Weep? No, do it for me. I, I can't. I don't know how that's possible. Let's take a listen. It's Meatloaf from Dead Ringer, the follow-up to Bat Out of Hell. Read him and weep here on Rock School. I've been trying for hours just to think of what exactly to say. I thought I'd leave you with a little or a fire speech Like when an actor makes an exit at the end of a play Trying to fill up all the holes with some sense I'd like to know how you faded and you threw it away It's there in my heart, it's all I can say Come on and look at me And lead on and Okay, bottom of the hour here on Rock School. Let me give you one before we get into seven days. Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms, 1985, Walk of Life, and Money for Nothing. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? 
the video and such, it literally ruled MTV. Oh, yeah. Number one, multiple countries, 30 million in sales worldwide. 30 million? Yeah. What was the follow-up album? Uh, I don't know, but that's the album that's sitting uh, on our counter in there. It is. Yeah, You bought it specifically yeah. to play on your record player. Yep. 1991's On Every Street. Have you ever heard of it? Nope. It had six singles. The biggest one of them peaked at number three on the U.S. country chart. Country chart. Wow. It's called When It Comes to You. Could you sing me any bars of no. that? No. Isn't that amazing? Mm. Dire Straits. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I had to look it up. You know what? Yeah, what? I like a lot of one-hit wonder bands. I, you know, well, one album wonders. Well, yeah, I'll tell you I do. what, that's more than one hit. Uh, bottom of the hour, my name is Joe Burns. Tammy Burns. We are way late. Here are the dates November 29th. Welcome to December. December 5. You got Monday, Tammy. Go. November 29, 2001. Rest in peace, George Harrison. He passes due to lung cancer. November 30th, 1982. Michael Jackson releases Thriller. Uh, December 1, 1976. The Sex Pistols appear on the Today Show in the they drop a few F-bombs. <laughs> December 2, 1957, Al Pretty. He was a DJ at KEX, Portland, Oregon. He gets fired for playing Elvis's White Christmas. Why? The general manager stated it broke the spirit of Christmas. December 3rd, 1979, 11 fans are killed in a Cincinnati in Cincinnati after the Who's sound check is mistaken for the concert starting. People rushed the doors and they were crushed. December 4, 1971, Zappa is playing the Montreux Casino, Switzerland, when a fan fires a flare gun, catching the building on fire. It burns to the ground. The event inspires the song Smoke on the Water. And December 5, 1980, John Lennon gives his last interview to Rolling Stones. Three days later, Annie Leibowitz will take that famous picture of John and Yoko. The night she takes that picture, Lennon will be shot. And that wraps up seven days in 70 seconds. Do you remember in the 1970s, Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive? Oh, yes. Now, look, yes. there was an album called Frampton. Mm -hmm. It was a big hit in 1975, and it had the studio versions of the songs. Mm -hmm. Then out comes Frampton Comes Alive, 76. It is still, to this day, the largest-selling live album of all time. Period. Really? Full stop. Oh. Total sales, 10 million. Oh. No live album touches it. You have no choice but to succeed, right? Mm. I'm in you is the follow-up. Yeah. Do you know the single? I'm in you. That's you're it. You're in me. It's got an all-star lineup. Ringo mm -hmm. Starr, Stevie Wonder. He had trouble for one reason. He ran into disco. Mm -hmm. The reason he was kept out of number one, Andy Gibb was at the top spot. And... Like we said at the beginning of the show, variables changed mm -hmm. and disco was now the thing. So for that short, beautiful time, he lived in the basket of what America wanted. And then everybody wanted to dance like John Revolta. Oh, and I'm in you. I remember <gasps> distinctly. 
distinctly receiving this from my friend Tom Hamlin as a birthday gift and thinking it was the greatest thing in the world. The live album? The, the live no, album? No, the, or the, uh... the I'm in you. Uh-huh. And it, it fizzled completely mm. only because the variables changed. Mm-hmm. Here you go. I'm in you. It's Peter Frampton on Rock School. I don't care. All right, coming into the second break, let's talk Hall and Oates. Do you remember the Hall and Oates album "Big Bam Boom"? Had uh, "You're Out of Touch," yeah, "I'm Out of Time," mm-hmm. and "Method of Modern Love." Yes. You remember those oh, two? Yeah. Yep, Goes yep. two times platinum in the U.S. top ten, multiple countries. So they followed it up one year later with "Oh Yeah." Oh no. Oh yeah. I don't know that one. Name any hit from Oh Yeah. Give me a hit. Everything Your Heart Desires was the first single, and that's the only one that charted. Mm-mm. Name, sing any bit of it. Mm-mm. I don't know what it is. Crack the Top 40 did not go platinum, fell a slight bit short. And that's Hall & Oates. Mm-hmm. I assume that at that point, this is the Sarah Smile. I These know. are the people that, no matter what they recorded, moved pop music forward. Right. And I'd like to look... At 1985, 86, why Big Bam Boom hit? But then they couldn't do it again with, oh, yeah, you would think MTV would just drag them yes. to the top of the charts. It didn't happen. How about that? Who's listening to us? WBSD, Burlington, Wisconsin. Beautiful. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Out of the break, 1966, the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds. Ooh. Maybe the greatest Beach Boys album, period. Perfection. Two times platinum in the U.S., two times platinum in Britain. The Sloop John B., wouldn't it be nice if we... And what I believe is the greatest line ever written in music. Yeah. God only knows what I'd be without you. It's, it's stunning. They have no choice but to succeed, except they don't. Now, this one I have a little bit of background to it. This is right where Murray, the parent of the Beach Boys brothers, has put too much upon the Beach Boys, and Brian Wilson physically cracks. And instead of putting out this secondary album, which he wanted to call Smile, which would have been ridiculous, Murray, his dad, breaks the songs up over a couple albums, 
instead of making one album that would have been a juggernaut, right? Then the simple abuse destroys Brian Wilson for a time, and he starts writing songs about cucumbers. Look up the next album. It's called Smiley Smile. If you think I'm making a joke, I'm not. Look it up. One hit. The thing about it is they released it as a single first called Good Vibrations. It was the most expensive single at the time, but it never came out the way Wilson wanted it to because he would keep sending sections of it to Columbia Records and Columbia was like, I don't know about this. It's because you don't understand the new recording process that he's doing. So everything that could have gone wrong with this went wrong for it. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, because of everybody, including Murray and Columbia, sticking their fingers in the middle of it, it went south. It had one hit called Heroes and Villains. And you'd have to go all the way to the cocktail soundtrack to get Kokomo in order to have one more hit. That was the end of the Beach Boys. Wow. How do you have pet sounds? And then say to the man who wrote it, no, we're going to screw around with what you're doing. Why would you not just get out of his way? Yep, exactly. Here is wow. Villains here on Rock School. I've been in this town so long and back in the city. I've been taken for lost and gone and unknown for a Okay, last break, and we got to cook along. Led Zeppelin. I found this on a website. I'm only going to mention it, but I thought it was absurd. Okay. They said Led Zeppelin 3 was a disappointing album. Led Zeppelin 1, 8 million worldwide. Led Zeppelin 2, 12 million worldwide. Led Zeppelin 3, 6 million worldwide. Whoa. The Immigrant Song was its first hit. And then they went back and do acoustic blues and all of that. It was simply ahead of the time. And people didn't want the acoustic blues. They wanted the rock, and it didn't work. It has since made it so much bigger. Houses of the Holy followed, and we were back into double-digit platinum. If you were going to talk about a Zeppelin album that had trouble, I would have to say Presence. But even Presence did three million in sales so for anyone to bring up led zeppelin give me a break right here's the one we're going to finish on pink floyd dark side of the moon dig this eight times platinum in the united states 45 million worldwide it is the album that stayed on the Billboard 200 album chart longer than any other album, and not by like a couple weeks. I mean by leaps and bounds. It's an album that is charted in more countries than any other album. Longest time on the main album chart ever. How in God's perfect creation do you follow this album wow. up? 45 wow. million in sales. What do you do? I don't know. Any idea what the follow-up was? No, none. Wish You Were Here. Mm. 
1975. It had a couple of hits, Wish You Were Here, and Have a Cigar. It went six times platinum in the U.S., 20 million worldwide, meaning that it sold half, literally half, of what Dark Side of the Moon sold, and many people considered it a failure. It, I, I, that's, I started to run into stories like that, and I wanted to grab the author by the shoulders and shake them. Mm-hmm. You had this stunning Dark Side of the Moon. And what's funny, now we can look at it and go, okay, so it did six million, which is unbelievable. But look, the wall has yet to be released. Right. So to lay that in there as a failure for having not raised to the level of the dark side of the moon, I don't know. I think that was just trying to create clickbait so Joe would come and put it on the show. Which I did. I feel like a bad person for it. But I needed to end the show. I needed a song. And so I'm going to end on Pink Floyd because the wall is coming. From Wish You Were Here, Have a Cigar, 1975. I'm Joe Burns. You are? Tammy Burns. Done. Class is dismissed.